So welcome back. This is Jose Malapo, and this is Inside Morehouse, the podcast. For our third episode, um, I have a very, very special guest on with me today, a good friend of mine, uh, Dr. Sal Contez Jr. Uh, he is principal of Wings Academy High School in the Bronx, New York. New York's near and dear to my heart. Uh, times like this, uh, being stuck at home all the time with COVID, I really do miss getting back to New York and uh, having a good burger uh, at a diner. Um, so thanks so much uh, for, for joining us today. Uh, it's good to have you, Sal. Thank you for having me, Jose. I appreciate it. Yeah, so we go back a little bit, right? You and I were talking. didn't realize it had been five years since I last <laughs> saw you. It's amazing how, how quickly that went. And um, I'm laughing because I came to your high school, your then high school in Staten Island, and you asked me to stand on a sit on a panel with other I guess leaders and educators, and at the time I was still in, I was in higher education, and you put me next to a guy, right next to a guy talking about Bitcoin or uh, some other a blockchain, blockchain technology. Yeah. I'm thinking, and this guy is like 30, 28 years old. I'm like, I'm next to the smartest guy on stage. Thanks, Sal. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm on my phone googling blockchain. <laughs> I vaguely remember that, but now that you reminded me, I remember it now. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, um, <laughs> I, I wish I could pay you back on that. You're just stuck with me at this point. Uh, so, I mean, you reflect that things have changed. I mean, you've, you've gone on from uh, that high school to a new high school in the Bronx. Um, I think it's hard not to talk about the immediate change with COVID. Um, I'm assuming, you know, you faced and are facing the same challenges that we're facing at Morehouse. Um, probably, you know, even more intense because you're in New York City. Uh, I'd love to hear, you know, what, what you've gone through in the last year of, you know, rearranging your academic model and your services model for high school in, in the Bronx. So once again, thank you, Jose, for having me. Yeah, it was a transition. So um, I'll try to do it as, uh, as short but detailed as possible. Um, I actually started the school year in the Bronx in the middle of the year. It was in December. So, um, so just think about that starting at a position where, you know, the school year already started and there's already things in place. Um, so new principal coming into the building, uh, you know, unfortunately replacing the former principal and there was already some, some vibes. I already, I felt it as soon as I walked into the building. Um, not sure if you know this, but the second day I was there, uh, there was a riot in my building uh, and there were 40 school safety officers and probably over 30 police officers in my building. Day two, that was day two. Uh, and um, long story short, I come back the next day and the district director saw me and said, you're going to last a very long time here. <laughs> and jokingly, but seriously, to the point of I I said, you know, um, I can't let something like that phase me. This is, you know, th th this is what we do. This is what we're all about is supporting and, and caring for our kids. And that was December. Um, and I was said, said, you know, now we gotta, you know, uh, get our heads together and figure out um, what's going on in the building moving forward. Unfortunately, three months later, COVID hits. So I was in a school building for three months and then the pandemic hits and then now we're fully remote. So imagine, you know, going again, being new to the building, barely even knowing your staff and your students, 
and now creating a plan for the whole school community, including families uh, and our and our community-based organization that that's actually physically located in our building and planning that out. So all these pieces were just coming out of nowhere. How do you res how do you solve all these things? Um, mind you, my currently my school is a it's a struggling school. Um, you know, we, we, we just broke 50% graduation the year before we have about 78% attendance rate. Um, it's, uh, uh predominantly, um, uh, minority, the about 96% of my school population is minority, um, over 50%, I believe 52% is a uh, black African American, uh, and 34% is Hispanic. So, you know, just with those numbers, so just thinking about all those pieces that are just coming out of, you know, everywhere and just trying to figure out with my administration team and my staff, how is this going to happen? Um, and, you know, planning for it and then um, having those, you know, what is it, three to four months fully remote. And then all of a sudden thought we were gonna have a summer to prepare for the fall wasn't the case. We had to prepare for our kids that didn't succeed during the spring because some of them sh totally struggled or some of them just totally uh, uh, zoned out and or disappeared. And I, what I mean disappeared was we knew where they were physically. It's just academic-wise speaking, academically speaking, they were not there. Um, so those have been the struggles starting the school year off, same struggles. Uh, knowing, you know, uh, if students have devices, knowing if they have Wi-Fi, um, knowing what their home situation is, because that all that's all that played a part of, of their learning, um, and and now going into you know soon to be a full year since COVID hit, um, we are not that far off from what we started last March. We are still struggling at this time uh, with students learning. So it's it's been a struggle but I do have a passionate and an empathetic team to, to continually work with our kids. Yeah, no, it sounds like um, there's similar, similar threads that we went through here in March and April and, and with, and, and I think you're about 350 students, right? Um, up there. And so I'm guessing that's on the uh, small to medium size relative to the rest of the New York City school system. So you're probably very close to your students in terms of knowing their names one-on-one, -on -one, having a rapport with them. Um, I know people have said it, it's been overreported that, you know, COVID has hit, you know, communities of color, black and brown families disproportionately harder than, you know, other families. Um, we certainly see and, and hear those stories here at Morehouse. I'm curious, you know, what things you've done and learned to provide better service, you know, over and beyond what I think perhaps you walked into in your first day like in terms of expectations, like what did you have to do to, to adapt to this specifically for, you know, your, your audience being 96% minority? So it was interesting, you know, if I, if I go back to the day I started to COVID, um, the, the, the goals and priorities are close, are very similar. Going into a school that was struggling, um, you knew that there was, uh, you had to look at the pedagogy in the building. You had to look at the instruction in the building, see what was going on. Uh, I know with, with having, you know, so many years in, in education, that's a, that's the main piece. If, if you cannot get kids to read and write, they are going to struggle. And our literacy rate in our building is extremely low. Um, 
And then when you fast forward that, you know, that mindset of how we plan, how we're planning that. And we were, we were, we were on a roll, uh, knowing what the school started with in the, in the, in the fall, we were, we were already um, creating, we've already created what we call professional learning communities, PLCs. Um, and that was by department, right? So you have the math has one, the social studies, science departments all have one. Um, so every department had a PLC and we would look at instruction and then we would do inquiry work, right? Where we look at the data to see how we can best adapt to that. And like I said, you know, March comes and then we had to kind of shift roles on saying, okay, first and foremost, who needs a device? Second, who has Wi-Fi? And as you start going through those things, you know, like anyone else does, as time goes by, things are going to start falling off. So as we were making progress and getting Wi-Fi uh, connected devices, New York City did a great, had a great uh, partnership with Apple and T-Mobile to provide, uh, to purchase over 300,000 uh, cellular connected iPads to students in, the, in, uh, in, the, in New York City. Uh, now, mind you, New York City has over a million students. So that's, that's a third, less than a third of what we could have used. Thank goodness we had uh, a decent number of Chromebooks in our building. So we literally disseminated everything we had uh, still to find out some, some students did not have devices. So when you have that mindset of you're trying to work on these pieces to get everybody on, right? Getting my teachers acclimated to this Google Classroom system or in New York City, we have a, a platform called iLearn. Like no matter what system you were using, if they didn't use it, which more than half of them did not use it, they needed to learn, I mean, overnight. So um, in New York City, the mayor and the chancellor gave us three days uh, to come in to gather as much material and as many PDs as possible to start teaching the following week. So, so when, when, I, when I think back on what I was planning to do, knowing what the school was facing, I didn't have to totally scrap it. We just had to adjust what that was slightly. But as I was saying, as, as, as pieces started to fall apart because people were getting frustrated with this whole system, I had to slightly adjust about instruction has to look a little different. Pedagogy has to look a little different. Right. So those things started coming into play more and more often. Yeah, yeah, that sounds, I mean, what a, what a first couple of months for you, right? Um, and, and in terms of, I, th I think for those of us who aren't uh, educators, I'm not trained as an educator. I've been around them for the last several years of my career. It's it's hard to underestimate um, the kind of upheaval that is to the teacher um, to go from a classroom setting to a digital setting. The way that you and I are commuting right now is it sounds so simplistic, but the dynamics are so different in in delivering remote digital. Um, one-to-many education and a pedagogy than it is to be able to be in three-dimensional space with students. Um, so what, what, what sort of things have your faculty had to do, you had to do as administrator to, you know, I guess, accelerate that adoption? Because it, oftentimes we just sort of always focus as a, as a society on, on the adoption of children to technology. And that's a no-brainer, right? Five-year-old using iPads, you know, no, no big deal. Um, but it isn't just the technology piece, it's literally that dynamic of how do I teach a lab over Zoom? Yeah, that. Um, so um, I'm gonna reverse a little bit, go back to that <laughs> March timeframe. So um, 
my APs and I decided to grab a group of teachers, right? We, and it was, they were really by department. Um, and I grabbed the science department. Mainly the reason why I grabbed science was because um, in our district, we, because we are a struggling school, um, the, the state and the city still provide support. So through grants, we received uh, support from the district to uh, um, have us work with the district coaches. The district coaches um, are, have specific content area expertise. Unfortunately, science, there wasn't a science coach at the time that person left uh, right before COVID, you know, uh, coincidentally. Uh, so um, I decided to, 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 to take on science um, and, uh, and that is not my area of expertise whatsoever. Uh, my favorite subject was <laughs> math and I taught technology when I was a teacher. Uh, so, so science, specifically biology, wasn't up there with my, with my content knowledge. But what I could and I did support the staff was with the technology integration. So they came with the content. I just came with the technology integration, which that's what I have my expertise in. Uh, and just showing them just the, literally, I, I, I didn't think I would have to start in the basics, but I literally did. Like, this is a, this is a, a PowerPoint. This is how you attach a PowerPoint. Or this is Google Slides. This is how I attach Google Slides. Um, the good thing is that we had Google Classroom and teachers were using Google Classroom and were familiar. They weren't comfortable, but they were familiar with Google Drive. So that made it a little bit easier to acclimate to those tools. Um, but the challenge was, as you mentioned, how do you teach doing it that way? And I was a teacher of technology for years, and I've always said teaching traditionally is very different than teaching with technology. It is a very different, uh, is a different animal. Um, and that's what I had to show them and how uh, being mindful of those time gaps, right? You know, your wait time in a classroom though traditionally is very short, right? They said the, te the average teacher waits one to two seconds per wow. response. Uh, traditionally, I told them, you really have to pause online. There's breaks on the connectivity. There's, you know, uh, you're gonna have that. So I said, push yourselves to do three seconds. And man, the looks that I, <laughs> that I received with the staff in those Zoom and Google Meet meetings were, Three seconds. You know how long that is. <laughs> so it was. Uh, it was a. It was a. It was a, a hurdle. It was a little hurdle. But um, I. I've always be firmly believed on baby steps. I believe the only way you're going to get through things if you are clear, you're concise with your instructions. But at the same time, I let them know I do not have all the answers. But I did say the answers are in this room. We absolutely have the answers. Uh, so I'm going to need your support as much as you need my support. Yeah, that's amazing. And the last piece, I just had a conversation with uh, one of my colleagues in Morehouse, and we had the same sentiment where we went through this upheaval and we realized the answers were among the people in this building. It, was just, it just, it took us having to let go of, well, we, what yesterday was the reality of brick and mortar teaching and just accept this is the new, this is the new reality and for however long it's going to take. Um, right. So, I'm going to uh, kind of pivot a little bit on this because um, I feel like I could sit here and talk with you all day and I could be a better, you know, college administrator because of it. What, what are sort of the one or two, three things that you go, Hey, look, I, I'm, I'm, you, you are grassroots. You are doing things that an administrator, you teaching teachers how to adopt their pedagogy to technology. I've never heard 
a principal do that? Uh, perhaps these are new norms that, that have pressed it and others are doing it. But what are the things that you could take it to, you know, colleges like mine that we need to understand better, do better to, um, you know, make the transition easier from, you know, students in high schools like yours to colleges like ours? Um, because what you're talking about sounds familiar, but I'm sure it's different. Um, what hits first and foremost up front is the mental health of our kids. Um, if you don't have that in your forefront, if you're not thinking um, that, um, or I should put it this way, if you believe that the students in front of you are okay, um, you shouldn't think that. And what I mean by that is I think you should really look at it where you want to find out if they're okay. You don't want to assume they're okay. Uh, one thing that we implemented in the school was every time a class starts, there's not jumping into a lesson. It's how's everybody doing? Can one person share something good that happened this week? Um, and you, we, we didn't know how well that was going to work and it worked. And sometimes you have to tell the kids, you know, okay, we're good now. Let's, let's not go on to the lesson because you want them to have conversations. Um, and then the, 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 the tough part was going into, right, going into a classroom so different than when you walked into a classroom. Now, how I walk into a classroom is I email the teacher the day before and says, please send me your Google Meet code and your lesson plan before I go in. Without that code, I can't see the classroom. That's as if the teacher almost locked the classroom door. So imagine walking into a room, you don't have your keys as an administrator, you can't get into the classroom, kind of similar. So it's a little bit different on understanding that a walkthrough is very different than what it was in the past. So first and foremost, I believe you have to find out the mental health of our, of our, of our kids. Um, and with that as well, our, our staff as well. Um, I start off all my meetings with how's everybody doing? How, how, how are things going? Anything positive? Uh, going on, you know, did you eat something that you shouldn't have ate this week, you know, just kind of get, you know, some smiles in there. Um, and the other challenging part is like, I, I also tell them too, you know, let's not force people to be uncomfortable, let's force them to be comfortable. So for example, I told them don't tell students they have to turn on their camera, they have to unmute yourselves, they don't have to, there's lots of ways of interacting and having them engaged. So tools play a big part of that. So, so the mental health of them was number one for everyone. And the next thing is making them feel comfortable. Where right? after they're comfortable, now you can start slowly integrating things like getting into the content. Um, or, or if you find out you get that, that, that awkward silence, you know, you pause for a second, step back, um, don't put anyone on the spot and start looking at, those, at that as well. Um, but, I, I'm, you know, Jose, you know me, I will get uh, down with my teachers, I get down and dirty with them as well. If I have to teach a class, I'll teach if I have to, you know, um, whatever I have to do out the box, I'll give you a perfect example. Um, in October, our kids were not coming back as they were in the spring, we had about 40 to 50% attendance when we started in the fall. And, and, and it wasn't just our school, it was across the city, but to see 30, 40, 50%, the first week or two was, was, was shocking. So, you know, as it started to pick up, we were trying other ways. Okay, how about if we call home, we text students, we text families, I do call um, uh, emails, I'll try that. And finally, 
I told the counselors, I said, you know what? Give me a few kids' names. I'm going to go to their house. I'm knocking on their door. And the first response was, it's COVID. Can you go to their home? I'm like, <laughs> I have a mask. I can do that. So, um, and lo and behold, now I have a team of people that are going to homes because they were like, well, you're, you're, I'm still the new guy. Remember, I, I started last, you know, 2019, December. So I didn't even make a year yet. And I'm like, I'm knocking on doors, knocking on windows to pick, you know. So I, I guess it's like, as you mentioned, it's, it's organic. Like I, I, I go yeah. grassroots with everything. So, so if I had to pick those things, those would be it. Definitely focus on the mental health. Definitely work with staff on whatever. Like I said, they have the answers. And, and whatever brainstorming session happens, try it. You know, you know, we said, we're going to try doing home visits. And, and, and if the New York City mayor and the chancellor did not approve of that, I, don't, I didn't know because I didn't read any email that said I couldn't. So, uh, and, and now with a struggling school remote, we've already hit, and this, is, this may be shocking for people, but we, all, we hit five times 80% attendance. So right now we're, we're slightly above what we normally were before pre-COVID. So wow. it's a testament to the staff and the support staff working hard on, I mean, I can go on and the plans that we did, but we, those are the things we really, really focused on. That, that, you know, it's interesting while you were talking, you know, it's 2021, we have all this technology. I literally am sitting in front of four computers, right? On my desk. Uh, and what you described was basically the, the, uh, the new school is the old school you know, going down, knocking on doors and shaking hands. That sounds like a tale you might see in a movie about the 50s or 60s, right? In small town America, you're in the Bronx knocking on doors. And I grew up as a little kid in Brooklyn. I'm just telling you. (laughs) I get it. Well, it's it's funny you say that because, um, you know, every school has a school safety agent, right? Um, And the first time I mentioned that, the first thing she said, you're going where? You're, you're going to their home? She's like, are you sure about that? I'm like, absolutely. I said, listen, if I have that mentality, then I'll never go and I'll never know what happened. Right. That's that's not my thinking. My thinking is what's going on? I'm, I'm, I'm knocking on doors. And the, you know, her and many others like, please be careful. And one thing I've learned, again, myself, born and raised in Brooklyn myself, uh, you know, I, I, I walk as if I belong in the neighborhood. I, I right. live there. So I, there's no concern. There's no fear. I, I don't think about that at all. I'm just going to see my student and my student's family. So that's that's how I look at it. Yeah, that's why you're running the place. I mean, you're seriously <laughs> one of the most dedicated educators I've ever been around. And and when I got into higher education, you, you reached out to me, you and I connected. And I was like, this guy's crazy passionate about this, right? And and because we could be doing other things that pay a whole lot more money, um, but it, it's an inspiration to hear those stories because I think people's worldview on administrators are we're sitting in the corner, you know, filing you know papers and telling people to go do things. Where, you know, just an hour ago, I'm hosting, you know, our open house to 400 would-be families for the college and literally doing the Q and A, and it's just different than I think you know, most people's worldview of, you know, education or higher education administrators. Um, so I got to ask though, cause it's, it's, uh, we're going to kind of, kind of late in the, in the segment. Um, what are your plans for reopening? You know, what is that looking like for you? Um, when, when is it going to be fully normal again in your mind in terms of 
getting everybody back on campus. And that was the number one question in the fall, right? When yeah. are we going back? And um, we did start. We went back remote um, and how New York City is, right? If you find two or more cases, the school closes quarantines for 10 days. Uh, they did start in December with the elementary level kids going in. And every day there's closures. Uh, there's about, in New York City, you have about 1800 plus schools. At the elementary level, you have about seven to 800 elementary schools. And on average every day, there's anywhere between 250 and 350 schools closing. So it's an it's it's an ongoing rotating you know door. Uh, there was no timeline that's been shared with us about coming back in person. Uh, we started thinking, oh, maybe the start of the semester, February first, or maybe after President's Week, or maybe after spring break. There's no date whatsoever, <clears throat> and I believe the main reason is because um, we do random testing. We started monthly, now it's every week. So because it's every week, I think the city is trying to grab a hold on. If you think about all the schools that are currently open, let's say 800 elementary schools, they're weekly testing 800 elementary schools. That's a lot of staff. So if you think of testing 1800 plus schools every week, where's the manpower on that? That's, you know, the, they have a ton of teams, but not enough to maintain that. And the delay of the, of the, um, of the of the uh, of the tests, it used to be two or three days. Now they're one or two weeks. So, how do you do weekly testing? And and they're not even open with middle or high school. So right now, I'm already planning for the remainder of the year as fully remote. Um, uh, if we go back in person, um, it's gonna probably look a little different because New York City is looking to have whoever's in person goes every day. That wasn't the case when we started. We had a every two days shift. So now if I have to go back and they in New York City once every day of the week, I have to reprogram my school. And that would have been the fourth time I would have had to reprogram my entire school building, uh, which takes a lot of time. Um, and it changes a lot of programs and schedules. So right now there is no set date of return. Wow. Wow. Well, hopefully, hopefully things get, uh, I don't want to say normal, but uh, more predictable up there. Um, I appreciate all your time, Sal, and, and all that you do. I, I look at what you do and the stories you're talking about as a prelude to uh, getting to see the kind of men that come to Morehouse College, uh, because without people like you, hard to find people like them um, because of all the care you provide. So listen, be safe. And it was, it was a pleasure to having, having you again. Uh, to talk with, and uh, I'm sure I'll catch up with you again real soon. I've been with Sal Contez Jr., Principal Dr. Contez Jr. of Wings Academy High School in the Bronx, New York. You have a good new year. Thank you, Jose. You Take too. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.